Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is part two of episode 73. It was recorded at the same time as part one, but didn't want to make the episode too long. It was recorded December 28th. Um, which was my birthday for those of you who missed part one. I'm now 40. Anyhow, uh, it's Chris and I just kind of chatting, continuing our conversation that we started in part one, which you should go back and check out. And both were kind of fun to do, and I think we maybe even made a couple good points about some stuff. So, um, yeah, hopefully you enjoy. Here it is, us ranting nonsensically. Enjoy. All right, we're back now, so uh, we're going to end off with just a few little things here. Chris, I wanted to talk to you about Nico. I know, can we put out an article today about Nico? I know him and Marat and I believe Scott Billick have all sort of written about Nico this year, at least once per person. So, um, I mean, everybody knows that he's going to be far, part, of the, part of the Jets' future, <laughs> but he hasn't been much part of it yet. He's played one game for the Jets this year. He didn't actually have the, uh, that great of an NHL season last year for the bit that he did play but it felt like this this would be the one he has some injuries and everything but um yeah so far the guy hasn't really got a look he's been injured too so he's played 17 games one with the jets 16 with the moose there's been opportunity to move him up certainly he's better than a lot of the guys that are the jets are rocking but this is sort of on a bigger question question than just niku because i know where you stand i'm sure most people listening uh right now would know uh where we stand on just play the guy already. We think that he's good. But how the Jets use the farm system. I mean, the Toronto is the only other team I know of that has the base their farm team basically in the same city with the Marlies and, and the Leafs. Um, but do the Jets use the farm team well? Like, what is the point of them being so close? I think there's some obvious advantages. But sometimes when it comes to development or uh, load managing your team, some of those maybe untapped advantages... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm rambling, obviously here, but I'm curious. Uh, what what's your take on the way the Jets use the farm? How could they use it better besides some of the advantages that we don't know about? I mean, guys not having to move when they get called up and down. I mean, that's a, uh, that's one too. But coaching systems within the same building. I mean, you don't have to be in the same building to run the same coaching systems. It feels like there's not really much of a connection between the Moose and the Jets at all. Well, we were told that this was good for the like you're saying. We were told this was a good thing. Yeah. But we were never told why. Right. That's what you're kind of getting at. Because I can think of some whys, and those whys don't seem like they happen. Right. I would have way more movement if they're in the same building. Just, again, for load management, uh, guys in the press box, I'd be moving guys in and out quite a bit more for their development right. and to, to rest guys. I don't know if that's dumb, but certainly not uh, normal around these parts. Well, I don't know. Like we talked about, so some of the reasons why that – like, you know, we mentioned, well, they're in the same city, but they're only in the same city half the time right. at minimum. It's probably less because they're never Jets games and Moose games the same week. Right. So the guy, if somebody's getting called up, he's getting shipped somewhere anyway. Right. So that doesn't, doesn't wash. And when we were talking earlier today, you said sometimes the Jets have literally waited that extra day to ship they, a guy right. when they should have done it sooner and it would have been less travel and and uh, time spent uh, right so what we talked plane. about as an example when we talked about this earlier was and again there might be a little more to it when it comes to salary cap issues and right and all these sorts of things but 
theoretically, the Moose play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. That's it. Right. That's all they play. Where is the... And we know nobody else does this. It looked like the Leafs were kind of doing something with Patan and the other guy that was going up and down. I think more Goudreau... Or uh, not Goudreau. Um, Gauthier, I think. Yeah, I think Gauthier. <laughs> and... and um... Uh, Sandine, who is the the, right. the draft the Jets pick, or that spot that they gave up in the Brian Little replacement thing with uh, Stasny, the pick that they sent to St. Louis became Sandine, I think. Right. Okay, sorry. But I Brian Little is a number two center. That's why we've had to replace some two trade deadlines. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking, and this is again one of those things. We're just spitballing and most uh, half joking. Yeah. But what would be the problem with Sammy Niku? practicing or being with the club Monday to Thursday. Right. And then being with the Moose Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. He's got no salary to count against the cap. Again, I don't know the ins and outs, but that's to me, and I think what you're getting at, is an advantage of your of your your farm team being in the same city as your as your team. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Nobody else does it, why not be innovative? You and I talked about this on in real life, and I and I don't know how many times I've really talked about it on here, but my big thing is about the Winnipeg Jets, they do 85% of everything really well. Right. The other 15% is twofold. One, it's where they're not great, and B, where they need to be be the best in the league if they want to compete with the, the top market teams. Right. So they need to be innovative. They need to be doing that with the Gustafsons and the... Nikus and the guys that can go up and down freely yeah. and have them spending time with the big club. What What's the harm of them practicing Monday morning with the Jets, game day skating on Tuesday morning, being in the press box for the game right. Tuesday night, and then going back down on Wednesday? Yeah, because transactions don't cost you anything except for some real dollars. right? But like you say, these guys that are coming up and down, they're not your cap issue, especially if they're generally going to be carrying... 21, 22 guys right. maybe I, total. Again, so maybe there Your is press box issues. isn't full. Right. Maybe there way. is sometimes. Maybe there isn't. But it's nothing that we've ever seen in eight, nine years. So right. it doesn't matter. It's not like, so okay, but right now because of Bufflin's contract, they can't do that. Right. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in general, why aren't they doing more things? Why doesn't every team do more things like that? Yeah. So what? what's the thing? What's the advantage? What's the whole, this is awesome because we don't, we don't know what it is. Right. There's been, never been any documentation about what makes it an advantage for the team to be here. Yeah. For the Moose to be here as right. well. Right. Yeah. Like well, we've talked about, it's it's an advantage simply because they're in Winnipeg and not in St. John because it's not a 17-hour flight from St. John's to yeah. to Los Angeles. But half the time, but half the, the time, caps aren't in anyway. St. John's anyhow. Right? right. Yeah. They might be flying from. Uh, Providence to Pittsburgh, right? right. For a Jets game in Pittsburgh. So yeah, again, yeah, like you say, sometimes it's not a thing. I just it just feels like there could be more of an advantage. There's some that we could say, but really the only time we see moose players come up is when there's an injury, which is the most obvious thing. Okay. And, right, right. So right. when you when you compare it to another team, like say Toronto again being the best example, you could if they have similar amount of injuries, you'd probably expect similar amount of movement between uh, the farm and the and the big club, and if they're similarly up against the cap, you'd probably expect similar movement too. But I did look at Toronto's, and I'm not sure about their whole injury situation versus the Jets. How many man games lost, and what the quality of players that were injured was, and exactly what their cap situation is. But I imagine it's similar to the Jets, probably being uh, close to the the top. 
But the point is, uh, I think that it feels like there's more of an advantage to, to be got out of that because it's really just injuries. Guys get injured, they call some guys up. But it feels like you say, when the teams are both going to be in the city at the same time, why not call a guy up, pay him a little bit more money, you know, show some good faith you know, from the organization because it's not really costing them that much more to have him up, have him practice with the big club. Because if Niku gets called up for a day, just so he could be allowed to practice with the Jets, per se, versus practicing with the Moose, that shows, yes, you're seriously part of our plans. You need to see what we're doing and get used to being around these guys because when he goes back to the other to the Moose, I mean, they're going to run through 50 guys in a season that have come up from the ECHL that are on PTOs, whatever it is, right? Like, he doesn't need to run through the power play with the Moose. He's their best defenseman by far. He can literally just walk and should just walk into the locker room and get exempt status from doing bullshit. Because and they should theoretically, be f- they should be running the same practices and stuff basically anyway. Yeah. The only difference is feel, right? Yeah. And and so he should already have a feel from playing half the time with whoever his partner is. Yeah. But he should also get a feel for being up and playing with Tucker Pullman. Right. And and practicing on a second unit power play with Matthew Perot and all those sorts of things because essentially if he comes up at any point this year if Josh Morrissey gets hurt he should be right, right in that spot yeah right if Pionk gets hurt he should be right in that spot yeah I don't care about handedness any of that stuff you know what I mean yeah. he should be replacing those guys if either of those guys hurt not trying to force a a Boyu right which is unfortunately likely what it would be. Right. Right? But it, it shouldn't be. He should be right in. So why not? I don't know. Maybe we're... There's some stuff that we miss, right? Like the same way like hockey practices are basically organized the same way. And then yeah. uh, your road trip is organized the same way. And your day-to-day is organized. They, we always hear about, you know, players like the consistency. The structure. And the, the structure and all that kind of stuff. There's got to be some of it. Yeah. But again, even if it's not every week. Yeah. Why aren't they doing more of that? Why isn't every team doing more of that? Who yeah. knows what the what the reason is? So again, it would be nice if, and maybe our, our listeners who are more in tune in tune can tell us what the advantages are because again, we can see some of the basic on the surface advantages. Yeah. Um, but nothing like we were led to believe. Yeah. Was such this huge advantage of this team being here? Yeah, in in the sense that for. Like I say, the biggest advantage that does not seem like it's tapped into would be uh, development and like prepping guys for the NHL. Because if Niku gets called up, say tomorrow, there's an injury, he gets called up, Morrissey's injured, right? Um, all of a sudden he's there. Now the whole thing is like, well, now he has to catch up and get up to speed, blah, blah, blah. And it feels like he could already sort of be ready to be slotted. And some of that is going to be narrative where they'll just there's excuses built in to if he doesn't play well, we can say he's not up to speed, right? Like there's always sort of, you know, tempering expectations that happen. And I get that. So that'll always be there. But the reality is he should be prepping to be an NHLer. And I don't know if there's a great argument of dominating the AHL after, you know, at this point in his career, if there's much more for him left there. Um, I mean, if they want to leave him there and play him there, have his games, but really everything else should be pointing to be doing that, whether it's up in the press box for a game, because, I mean, that doesn't count as a game. So if he comes up and watches the Jets game one day that the Moose aren't playing and then gets sent back down to play the next day, so he misses a practice with the Moose, but he watches one more Jets game, you know, from the press box 
or watches one more pregame skate or is in a team meeting beforehand, right? And so he's getting more of that. It just feels like development and load management, which isn't as big of a problem since Wheeler and Shifley have been split up. I mean, last year, you know, Shifley or Wheeler was running 24 minutes a night or something, which is stupid. Now that they've sort of split them up, it feels like their averages have come down. And without Bufflin playing 90 minutes a night, um, doesn't feel like the minutes are crazy out of whack. Although whenever you see that your fourth line is getting five, six minutes when Gustafson was playing, you know that something's a bit out of whack. Um, but that wasn't most of the stretch yeah. of the season, I don't think. So um doesn't feel like anybody's too crazy. I don't think we probably have anybody in on the team that's, in the top 20 in minutes, like in unusual minutes, right? Yeah. Where we're kind of getting way, way up there. So um, that so the low management is nothing. But development-wise, I mean, if Logan Stanley is going to play for this team at some point, I don't, I don't even think he's healthy yet. So it's probably a bad example. I haven't looked into where he's at. Yeah, I haven't heard his principle. name mentioned. Again, it's the principle of it. What are you developing? Yeah. You, you could, you know, if you're a runner, you could run 100 half marathons. It's not prepping you for a full marathon. Right. You could just keep running them as you're still not prepared to run a full marathon. For the if guy has nothing yeah. right. The guy has nothing left to prove at the AHL level. Period. Yeah. So, if you're not going to call him up, at least get him ready to be called up. Right. And you're not. You're just running. You're skating in circles. Yeah. Literally, we've seen the shifts. Yeah. He's skating in circles around everybody else. I I think there's to change the subject a little bit. Yeah. There's a fundamental breakdown the guy's what 24 years old now yeah something like that that. 23 yeah he's in his what sixth professional season or something yeah because he played in finland before right right? like there's not developing happening yeah there's a fundamental breakdown in the relationship somewhere yeah there's again we talked about it earlier about there's certain guys have certain things yeah i don't think he has a thing personally yeah i think our love for nick batan I think there's a thing. Right. Okay. Okay. I don't know what, but I think there's a thing. Right. I don't think there's a thing. And I, that's not inside it. This, it just, that's what I think. There, I, I will just say this. I'll stop you there. I've seen lots of mini kind of threads and conversations about Niku being in the bad books with the organization. I don't know where that's from. That's unfounded as far as I know. I've never had a, a quality source say that. But it seems that some people seem to maybe have an inside maybe, track, or maybe they're saying that because he isn't getting the chance. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're conjecture. The yep, they're yeah, they're trying to assign motive to it or right. in some way, right? And but maybe it's true. And they and gave Brendan Lemieux every chance in the fucking book, and the guy left the rink before a game was over. Yeah, and he used to get a match penalty every three games. And the and the team, the players generally hated him too. Right. That's not so, that's not a that's not a non fact. So, he was. He was it was pretty contentious having him around. So yeah, no, I I, I, agree I get maybe there is, and I don't I don't know either way. Yeah. I'm just saying it seems to me there's there's either way more to it or, or less to it, however you wanna yeah spin it. But I just think, and we talked about that last time I was on here, and we talked about it earlier in the in the thing. I think the organization has a structure as to what they want their roster to look like, right? And he doesn't fit that roster, whether it's because they have Morrissey and Pionk. Yeah. Right? Or it's because that's not, he's not their type of guy, period. Yeah. He doesn't fit the roster. He would be here already. There's no way he's not the second best defenseman on our team. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, yeah, here's the the counter argument is people would say, well, if they call him up, why would you want him up if he's only going to play 10 minutes a night or, or eight minutes a night? He's not. But that's the thing. He doesn't have to because he slots in your top four. That's pretty obvious. And somebody else comes out. And if you want to start naming them, they're either named Spisa or Pullman. One of those guys comes out and Spisa, I think, would be the more obvious choice and not because I'm a Pullman fan but I think Pullman is better than Spisa well, Pullman's but, fine so, Pullman it shouldn't be playing on the first pair in an, on an NHL team no never and and I will say that as I'm wearing a UND <laughs> Do, uh, hoodie matter. and I have a UND jersey that I just took off behind me I'll say I've, I'm a huge Pullman fan on the third pair I've you're never said no, he's above that right. if he's on your third pair that's great you're not winning but, a playoff series yeah. if Tucker Pullman is your first pairing defenseman. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's just is not happening. You'll get he'll get his lunch eaten. The whole team will. <laughs> lunch eaten. Seriously, like you don't have a hole. I like that saying. Right. All right. Okay. So let's wrap it up here really quick. Do you have anything uh, really positive that you've seen in the last say ten games of maybe certain players that you like or systems that you've seen kind of finally working or changed? Um, who's hot? Who's 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 something <laughs> that you like? I, I mean, we've sort of. Said Halibuck's come down to earth for sure in the last little bit here. Pro- definitely below what he is, but... Um... I think, you know what? I think we talk... We, you and I talk about this a lot when we talk in, in real life. The good players don't get enough credit in this city. Yeah. When good Blake players, Wheeler does. Blake Wheeler does. But when good players have shitty games, they get shit on. Right. But when... Shitty players have shitty games. It's just what they're supposed to do. Right. And when shitty players have good games, they're the best. Right. So I'll say Patrick Lyonnais is the person that's impressed me. Okay. He's our best player. Mm-hmm. Him, him and Ehlers, whatever. Yeah. But he's our best player. He's the best passer on the team. He's the best scorer on the team. He's he's fucking incredible. And I think he's not getting, still not getting the praise he deserves. Yeah. And he's definitely not getting the opportunity he deserves. He should be on the power play for two minutes every power play. And you know what's crazy is I know people that would think you're being negative towards the team because you're saying Patrick Liney doesn't get enough credit and that he's so good because you didn't say Mark Shifley or Blake Wheeler, right? <laughs> like right. you're 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 clearly a terrible troll for really thinking that we have a stud. That in, our three best players are Ehlers, uh, in order Liney oh. and Hellebuck. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought I thought you're gonna I thought you're gonna leave the goalie out. Yeah. Well, gonna... I mean that's all. I, the goalie's kind of like <sighs> the. Um, you know the Le, the LeBron James thing, like LeBron James should have won the MVP every year for the last twelve years. Right. <laughs> but basically, it's like whoever has the second best season, right, gets the MVP every year. That's sort of like, right, the Hellebuck thing. Like when you have a great goalie on your team, right, he's always the best player. But so, so do you have any strong feelings that now that you mentioned Ehlers there that uh, the Jets didn't even include Ehlers in the All Star voting? Yeah. I don't know how that stuff comes about. I wish I knew because then it would be more ripe for controversy, if that makes sense. Right. Is because there's obviously – maybe they had to submit it before the season started. No. I, I'm just saying there, yeah, yeah. there could be some sort of – I, I think it's it's narrative-driven where you can't leave Blake Wheeler off that. I don't know. And they added him. Because, I mean, the if you're talking the top four all-star deserving players, Ehlers, Laine, Shifley, Hellebuck. Hellebuck. That's Period. it. That's not it. Morrissey's not in the conversation. Wheeler has been good as of late, actually. Like I think he's been better. I think he's not split an all-star. Up. Never mind. He's not an all-star caliber player right now. Right. Never mind. Even if he were, 
even if he were the best player on our team, right. he's not an all-star player right now. There's, there's nothing all-star about what he's doing. Yeah, I think right? that's fair. You know, like I said, even if the, even if those other guys weren't on our team right now. And that's and that's not a Blake Wheeler hate fest or anything. That's just saying there's four other players that are more deserving. No, I don't so, know. So now I'm gonna say one thing about Blake Wheeler though, which I think is interesting. He did uh Marat sat down with him and did an interview the other day where it was very similar to the the video interview that he did before the season with Sarah Orleski, where again he basically admitted, and I know people are tired of me saying this. But to torpedoing the team last year with, you know, his attitude and the young guys were scared of him and they didn't want to talk to Wheeler because, you know, they're afraid he's having a bad day. He's spitting nails at the guy. Like, it was all the same thing. And I get the Wheeler love fest when people think, oh, he works so hard and he gets these points. My only problem is he was never held to account, even though he's admitted to it, for basically being problematic in the room. Potentially... To the point that one of our best, our best, second best defensemen wanted to retire, right? Like, how how has he, Blake Wheeler never got a stitch of criticism from anybody but those of us that do the podcast here? Well, right, like never from media or anything, never from fans on live. Especially life. considering people were commenting on those tweets, posting that article. He's the best. He's this. He's that, and still blaming other players. Yeah. Even after he took responsibility for it. Yeah, which is which again is Big uh, is high praise, awesome. good. But I'm like, you're also been the captain for a couple of years. You're also thirty plus years old. I mean, I don't think you need to figure this out. And he doesn't like never got um, slammed or criticized. I should say criticized for that behavior at that time. He only gets praised for being that competitive. Yet our twenty two year old without a contract. People assign this like, oh, he wants to get Matthews money, you know, and uh, what a what a prima donna because he doesn't want to play with Brian Little, right? Obviously, I'm talking about Liney here, uh, but he gets slammed for being the immature baby who didn't have a contract, so he wanted a contract and wanted to play with a better line because he knows no, but- that that helps him. How does he get all the criticism? And the guy who, again, I, I keep using the term torpedo the team, has never got any. And again for admitting to it and maturing and and owning it and all that stuff. He's done. This is not made up. This is the Marat article in The Athletic and the Sarah Lasky. And he admitted it. Yeah, but never. He only gets, like, the credit. I do not understand how you get such a pass. Well, Just I... to be a veteran, be, get 91 points, uh, play on the top line, and not want to be split up for the longest and time. And tell your coach that you're not going to be split up. For the longest time, you yeah. get praised so, because you tell the coach you will do something. Yeah. Let's also not forget he also wouldn't sign a contract to play on his first NHL team. Well, that's that's debatable. Apparently, Arizona didn't want him or something like that. There's there's some other but part to the Arizona. He also got traded for nothing from Boston. I okay. Well, Mark Stewart, he did went with him and for Peverly and whoever else he didn't. He didn't even start his NHL career until he was like 25 years old. Okay. Anyhow, my whole point, and you know my point in all this, I don't, I, I don't understand how he's gotten past without very much criticism at all. I, it, there's been none. And so now it feels like I'm trying to make up for all the criticism nobody else has ever given him in the organization or media or in the Twitter. I mean, the organization is not going to do it. They put the C on his chest, right? But it, it's just weird to me. It's, it's frustrating because... Again, it's sort of like, you know, pleading guilty to a crime yeah. and then still victim blaming. Right. Right? 
Yeah, okay. It's the same yeah. thing. He he's the one that said he did it. It's not a narrative. No. It's not because it's not media driven as you're saying. Yeah, it's the people media, asking him questions. But it's not media the narrative of him admitting his fault isn't media driven. Right. He did it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it came from the Jets. It's not like they did Sarah and him did like a Jets intermission thing where he said it. Yeah, yeah. It's him saying it. I I fucked up. Yeah. Last year. And yet People are still blaming Bufflin. People are still blaming Lyonnais. Yeah. People are still not blaming the coach that obviously lost the handle. Yeah. People aren't acknowledging that they had to trade for Matt Hendricks again to yeah. try and make things better. Which was a Blake Wheeler request, apparently. Like, but again, yeah, he gets. I give him all the credit in the world for the ninety-one point season for becoming a power play passing specialist. He's one of the best passers uh, on the team. For you know, being the cap for admitting his fault for uh, all this stuff. Yeah, like Great, you. it's good. We we're talking about his earlier his his passing Ilya Kovalchuk. That's an amazing accomplishment. I'm all for it. I'm here for it, man. I'm on the Blake Wheeler train. But I do not understand how people have never questioned the thing he did, and it's everything is gravy ever since. And now it's like in hindsight, it sounds like just a an idiot for bringing it up because it's like that's in the past. It's like you don't even acknowledge the past, right? You don't even acknowledge that this any of this hey, has happened. Hey. Right? The past is super important in this. The city. past isn't super important. It started with in May 2011. Yeah. Nothing. Anyhow, it's it's weird to talk about Blake Wheeler because I feel it's just like a lot of things. I guess we kind of said before. Um, it, there's just a dishonesty about what has actually happened and transpired, and it seems like there's some evidence to say. And and I could blame Buff. Buff takes so much blame for everything. Uh, we could talk about his immaturity and all this. And people have and will be able to talk about Lainey's. Those other people that didn't get crit or that aren't named Blake Wheeler, they've gotten the criticism. Yeah. They've got it. Okay? So it's not just saying, oh, why are you picking on Blake Wheeler? You've all been shitting on all these other guys forever. Ehlers doesn't score in the playoffs. I mean, Hellebuck is uh, streaky. He shouldn't have got what he paid. People Fine, whatever. Blake Wheeler, he is Teflon. I don't, I don't get it, and I don't like it. It's not fair. People are just dishonest about it. So... Well, I think we talked about before about how people want to justify their dollars being spent. Right. Right? So it's like, oh, I don't care if they're losing results-wise. Right. They pretend like they're having a good time. Right. Same thing. If you admit that Blake Wheeler's an asshole, quote-unquote. Yeah. Or has been problematic. Right, whatever you want to call yeah. it. You're admitting that your beloved team yeah. has done something wrong. Because he's the face of the team. Right. If it's Bufflin, well, everybody knows Bufflin's a loose cannon. Yeah. And everybody he knows... pinches too much. Right. And Liney's a kid, and he's got an attitude. He's had an attitude since that interview. Yeah. On draft, you know, the yeah. draft night. He thought he should be night. number one. Yeah. Like, so all of these things fit your narrative. Right. Wheeler being an asshole doesn't fit your narrative. Right. Because you, do, you didn't know that. Right. People that knew him before probably suspected it. Right. Right. Um, Although but, never heard anything like this before, he was captain. Like with, right. when Lad was captain, right. didn't seem like a thing. I don't know. I don't know. He's and we talked about this before. He's seen ever since I lost complete respect after that game six against St. Louis last year, or game five, whichever it was, when he yelled at that reporter and said right. that they played their best game when they had no shots on goal until there were six minutes left. <laughs> That was it for me. I lost complete respect for the guy. Yeah. Own it, man. Yeah. And I will say another thing which I can't understand, and I again, something else that I tried to put into words, 
on a tweet and it doesn't it just doesn't work is how fragile these hockey players are mm-hmm. they're apparently the greatest athletes in the world they're the strongest toughest fucking rough and tumble guys yeah. but answer the bell when they answer have to. the bell when they have to tough canadian kids all of that shit but they're so fucking concerned about a letter on their jersey yeah or the guy next to them in the locker room has a letter on his jersey so I can't play well unless he tells a good speech to me before a game. Right. All of this shit. Are you kidding me? Or I I can't believe you asked this as a reporter covering the team. That too. Right. Um, Milan Lucic crying about a 22-year-old being the captain of, of his team and that's why he had a bad season last year in Edmonton. Like what? I thought these guys were tough. What do you need yeah. to look up to these? Go out and be a professional and do your job. Yeah. None of it should matter. How many times have you heard it's been a real struggle for so-and-so this year with the added responsibility of being an assistant captain? Yeah. What the fuck added responsibility? <laughs> if he deserved it, there should be no change to him. Right. It should just be continuing. Yeah. And if he, di- and if he didn't, how is he letting that affect him so much? Like he's on the ice. Oh, my God, I'm the assistant <laughs> captain. Fuck, I don't know how to pass the puck anymore. Oh, no. Like, none of it makes any sense. No. How are they so tough, yet so fucking fragile? How's he so fragile? How's Wheeler so fragile? He's the leader of this organization. He's the face of an NHL franchise. And he's so fragile, he can't answer a fucking softball from Ken Weave? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's it for us. That wraps up episode 73. That was... Uh... That was good. I like that. The Rants Optional Jet Center podcast. Blake Wheeler, I'll totally hang out with you anytime. I'll tell you all my faults. They're just not public. So. And And Chris will not. He's just a hater. No, we could talk sneakers. Oh, yeah. You're a big sneakerhead. I love it. I'm glad you're still listening. Yeah, Uh, we're huge, huge friend of the show, Blake Wheeler. I appreciate the autograph you gave my daughter at Portage in Maine a few years ago. There you go. Good guy. I just wonder. Top five best looking jet. For sure. Anyhow, that's it. (laughs) That was fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Do, do, do. I'm Kurt Kielbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.